0: Um, we've already had our first miracle in March this morning. Ms. Kathy Parker, last week, two weeks ago, I forget, almost two weeks ago, she tripped and fell, and she hit her head into a car and had a big, big bump on that side of her head, <laughs> um, and she really messed up her elbow and her arm, and since then, she told us this morning she hadn't been able to, can you just stand up and show us like what you could do before this morning? So to about right there, and then you couldn't twist it. I couldn't move my arm where my palm was up or this way either. I couldn't fix my hair, and I couldn't reach back and do a ponytail. Whoops. Um, And now I can. I couldn't push my hair out of my face. I was always doing this. And now I can move my arms. I mean, it hurts just a little, but not near as bad as it was but I could actually praise the Lord with both hands this morning, so amen. Amen. That happened in pre-service prayer, which is so fun. That was awesome. So, more to come. I put her testimony on the miracle board back in the back. We're going to talk about that in a second, but we're going to fill these out and talk about what are we believing the Lord to do in Miracle March, and then we're going to pray for those things together at the back. Okay, you all ready? Here we go. So, a couple weeks ago, um, we talked about Matthew 7, 7 through 11. We talked about don't worry, and then we talked about the difference from don't worry, don't even think about these things, to ask and keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. Do you remember this? So I want to read Matthew 7, 7 through 11. It says, keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep searching, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who searches finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What man among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Amen? So this month is about asking and asking and asking and asking and asking. We talked a couple weeks ago about how Jesus celebrated two specific people. Do you remember? One was the widow. The widow. With the wicked judge. And the other was the next door neighbor. Yay, you got it, next door neighbor. So the widow with the wicked judge. She wore the dude out. She, give me my justice, give me my justice, give me, every day, day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. She asked him to give justice. And finally, the wicked judge, who didn't give a rip about this woman, finally says, okay, fine. Because you keep asking, I'm going to give you justice. And Jesus celebrates her persistence to continue asking. And he says, oh, how much more does the Father love to give you things when you ask and ask and ask, right? And then also he talked about the good the neighbor not the good neighbor the bad neighbor that came over in the middle of the night and was like give me bread give me bread for my next door neighbor who just showed up right and the neighbor thinks shush leave me alone but because he keeps banging on the door in the middle of the night the neighbor gets up and gives him bread because the guy won't quit and jesus loves that story right because it shows this persistence of pressing in and asking And we talked about how when there's something that's on God's heart and he's trying to partner with you, he loves to see you have that kind of persistence to bang on the doors and keep on banging on the gates until those gates open up here on the earth, his ways established on the earth. And we talked about how when we do work like that, it happens in the heavenlies. And so as we're asking and asking and asking, things are happening in the heavenlies and then it's released down to the earth. Everybody with me? Okay, so... We're in Miracle miracle March. We're believing God to do great things in your lives and corporately as a church. Tomorrow, Rachel talked last week, tomorrow we're starting a 21-day fast um, that starts tomorrow, and it's going to end on March 26th, which is a Sunday. Okay? We're going to go to eat together. You can break your fast afterwards. What are you fasting from Just ask God. Some people might do like a Daniel fast, which is fruits and veggies. Some people might fast from Facebook. Some people might fast from a different thing every single day. It doesn't matter. Ask the Lord, what is something I can do out of the ordinary to set this time apart as special and to cry out to you to show up and do these things in my life that I'm believing you for? Okay, so that starts tomorrow. So today we're talking about fasting what is it, and why should we do it? What happened in the Bible? And uh, we're going to encourage you guys to start fasting as a part of a regular life. Are you ready? Okay, so fasting is a tool that can be extremely effective when you are banging on the gates of heaven. You need God to open that door. Fasting is a very powerful tool that can help open it up. I know a lot of times when you say the word fasting, some of you guys have... Uh, connotations that pop up in your mind and you're thinking oh no I don't want anything to do with that leave me alone don't talk to me about this and some people don't have any thoughts at all so what we want to do is just kind of create a biblical baseline this morning okay so what is fasting fasting means to abstain from food or certain things as a means of spiritual observance something that you do to um, break apart from the normal so if you're walking along and you're, and you're going down the normal path, fasting would be stopping everything and doing something different out of your normal, okay? So I know this probably hasn't ever happened to any of you guys, but let's just pretend that you're walking along with your spouse, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, and you're having a discussion and it begins to be a strong discussion. They have opinions, you have opinions, you're going back and forth, and you keep walking to the destination, and before you know it, you notice there's nobody standing next to you, and they're way back there. They have stopped in the normal walking, and they're putting their foot down, and they're making a stand, because they want you to know what we're talking about is important. Pay attention right now. Anybody? Ever had that happen? I'm sure not. Never. Okay. So, (laughs) me neither. I've never, ever had that happen in my life. Never will. But... That's kind of what a fast is like with the Lord, if you will, okay? So you're going about your normal business, and you take a stand, and you want to make an exclamation point that this is important to me. This is a big deal, and I'm believing for this. I want you to take notice. I am stopping what I'm doing because this is a big deal, and I expect you to come and do something with this, okay? That's kind of what it's like with the Lord. So like I said, you can fast from food, you can fast from drinks, you can fast from internet stuff, you can fast from TV, you can fast from all different things. But basically, anything that pulls you apart, uh, like away from your normal, and, and sets you aside to consecrate a part of your life for a spiritual purpose with the Lord. That is fasting, okay? In the Bible, we can tell that the first person who fasted was Moses. Okay? It says that he went up the mountain, and for 40 days and 40 nights, he had no water and he had no food when he was with God. And as he was up there, at the end of his 40-day fast is when the Lord hand-delivered the stone tablets, the Ten Commandments, that God himself had inscribed with his own finger. Okay? So Moses was the first one to fast. We see fasting all throughout the Bible. Ezra fasted when he was mourning the sin of Israel. King David fasted for seven days when his child with Bathsheba was sick and was about to die. He was begging God to come and have mercy. Esther and the whole nation of Israel fasted for three days because the whole nation was about to be wiped out by the king. They were a genocide, mass genocide of all the Jews, and so they called a national fast of all the Israelites. They fasted for three days leading up to when Esther would go meet with the king asking for favor not to kill the whole nation. Daniel fasted for three weeks, 21 days, as he prayed for wisdom and revelation regarding one of the king's dreams and its interpretation. Jesus fasted for 40 days. And the Bible specifically says in Luke 4, verse 1, it says that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert, and he was fasting in the desert. When he went into the desert, he was full of the Holy Spirit. Do you guys know what it says? When he comes out of the Spirit after fasting, he's full of? He's full of power. So he goes in full of the Holy Spirit. But when he comes out of that fast, he is full of power. There's a marked difference between the two, okay? So for Jesus, his fasting experience, it fortified him in his temptations, but it also filled him with power to be able to do all that he was called to do. Cornelius, he was a Gentile, he was not a Jew, okay? He honored God with all of his life, and he spent his life praying and fasting. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 30, that Cornelius, he had a vision when he was fasting at the sixth hour, the ninth hour, it was 3 p.m. in the afternoon. He was fasting and praying, and an angel comes into his house, and the angel says to him, go get Peter. He's going to be in this place. And so he sends the people to go find Peter. Days later... Peter says, I had the same experience at the same time I saw this vision. I was in a trance, and the sheet came down from heaven, and the Lord told him, go preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Don't withhold the Holy Spirit from the Gentiles. And so Peter ends up at Cornelius' house, who'd been fasting, and the Lord chooses this man who'd been crying out to God through prayer and fasting to open the gates of salvation to all of the Gentiles. How awesome is that? Fasting is powerful, and the Lord took notice of fasting in Cornelius' life. The apostles fasted. Acts chapter 13, before they had decided to send Paul and Barnabas, they cried out to God, they fasted together, and they asked the Lord for wisdom and direction, which led to Paul and Barnabas being sent out on their missionary journeys. Paul and Barnabas would pray and fast before leaving each of their new churches, and then ask the Lord for wisdom of who they should appoint to lead those churches. What did Jesus say about fasting? Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 7. One of the only things Jesus told us about fasting is not that we should do it, but he said, when you fast, you should do it like this. Basically, don't draw attention to yourself. Don't make a big deal about it. Act normal. Don't be a crazy psycho to show everybody that you're super spiritual. That's what he said, okay? But in Jesus' day, fasting was such a normal part of, of their culture and their life with God, he didn't even feel that he needed to teach about fasting because everybody understood the power of fasting and the biblical roots of fasting. And oftentimes today in our society, we've totally lost the point of it. We've, we don't understand the power of it. But Jesus knew it has power, and he commanded us, when you fast, we all need to be fasting sometimes. Not every single day, don't worry. Okay, what are some of the results of fasting you ready the benefits of fasting in Daniel chapter 1 there's a story of um, Daniel and his three buddies named Meshach and Abednego good job Kathy way to go His three buddies, they get pulled out of where they are. They go into captivity, and they're going to become like the king's administrators, okay, along with a whole bunch of other people. But the king wanted the brightest, the smartest, the most gifted, the most anointed guys, and so these four guys get pulled out. And they're in this big lot of other prisoners who are also brilliant and strong, and they're supposed to go into this training school, basically, to become the very best of the very best to help the king the most. And the king gives them meat and he gives them drink every day and he teaches them and he shows them different things not the king himself but from his court and so daniel doesn't want to defile himself with the king's wicked meat and so he tells the guard hey look we honor the lord god and that meat it would defile us we want to honor the lord we don't want to eat that meat and so the head eunuch for the king he says man if i let that happen the king will kill me. <laughs> I don't want to be killed. Like if you show up to to the next event with the king and you're looking like a little homely, skinny, scrawny guy, he will kill me. I don't want to be killed. And so Daniel says, look, give us a 10-day test, okay? Let us do it our way and everybody else can do it your way. And if at the end of 10 days we look worse than those guys, then we'll do it your way. And so 10 days, he does this, Daniel fast, and he doesn't have the king's meat. He keeps himself pure before the Lord. And at the end of 10 days, Daniel's face is fat. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are fat. They are fatter than the other guys. Their faces are fatter than the other guys. And so they got to honor the Lord and continue to honor the Lord that way. Okay? So in that time period where he did things, he set himself apart, In the physical body, the result was a maturing and a strengthening in his physical body, okay? In the same way, a spiritual fast is maturing you and strengthening you in your spirit, okay? When you set yourself apart, the same results are what the Lord is going to do inside of you in the spirit, okay? So, here's some of the benefits. I want to tell you guys about these two books. This one right here, if you're interested in fasting, this is by a guy named Mahesh Shabda, And I'll tell you more about him here in a few minutes. But this is called The Hidden Power of Prayer and Fasting. And I'm going to read a whole big, long excerpt out of this book. Powerful book on fasting. So I'm going to read several things from that. And then also this one is Bill Johnson's and Jennifer Miskov's Defining Moments. Talks about heroes of the faith. What were their defining moments that changed their life? Okay, we're going to talk about Smith Wigglesworth here in a second. So, in the natural... Daniel set himself apart for the Lord and his fast strengthened his physical body and mind, which eventually led to his promotion and ability to do all he was called to do. In the same way, fasting will strengthen your spiritual bodies and mature you in new ways so you can accomplish all the Lord has for you. Who's ready to write for me? Can I get a couple of volunteers? Daisy, I see you moving. Candace, are y'all both right-handed? Is it? Yeah, left. Okay, come on, Candace, Jump on up. Just grab a marker on the back. Stand on others' opposite sides of the board one for you, one for you, I'm going to go through a big list. You're going to try to catch as many of these things as I say. Are we ready? Okay. This is from Mahesh's book, page 44. He lists, no, right, just try to catch them. You know, like, just see how many you can get. So in Isaiah 58, it talks about the Lord's chosen fast. These are 12 benefits from Isaiah 58's chosen fast. Fasting brings revelation. Fasting brings healing and wholeness. Fasting brings righteousness. It brings the presence of the Shekinah glory of God. Fasting brings answered prayers, continual guidance. It brings contentment. It brings refreshing. It brings strength. Work that endures like an ever flowing spring inside of you. Fasting raises up future generations. It brings restoration. Page 147, he says, When you fast, you are humbling yourself. Y'all doing great. Just keep on going, get as many as you can. You're humbling yourself before the Lord. You will see life's priorities more clearly. The kingdom of God will become first in your life, and you will get clarity concerning your values in life. Fasting allows you to see the balance and to return to areas of your life where there's imbalance. Your selfish ambition and pride will begin to wash away. When you fast, you will become more sensitive to God's spirit. Your hidden areas of weakness and susceptibility will rise to the surface so that God can deal with them, and God will make you more unselfish. Other things fasting does, it humbles you. It focuses you on the Lord. It brings praise to the Lord. It shows us our flesh and our weakness so that He can be made strong through our weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9-10 through 10, And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Fasting shines a light on specific things that you're working towards. It brings importance and solemnness on different issues. It brings maturity and breakthrough. It shows yieldedness to God in fleshly form. It creates hunger. It draws the fire of God towards your life. It prepares the way for healing. It cleans the pipes between you and heaven. Okay? It connects us deeper to heaven and God's heart. Like the terminals on a car battery. If they get corroded, the power can't come out. Sometimes they got to be cleaned up, right? And when you fast, it's like cleaning up the terminals, that the power, the revelation, the wisdom, the love can flow from heaven down to earth. Amen? Way to go, ladies. Y'all give it up for them. So here's a question. Are any of those benefits things that you would like to have in your life? Guess what? Fasting opens the door to all of these things. Say, holy smokes. Fasting is powerful. It will change your life in the most beautiful ways. And there's way more than this. I can't really read any of that. But there's way more than this. I promise, okay? Why do we fast? This is from page 50 through 60 of Mahesh Shabda's book, Nine Reasons Why We Fast. We fast in obedience to God's word. We fast to humble ourselves before God and to obtain his grace and power. We fast to overcome temptations in areas that keep us from moving into God's power. Number four, we fast to be purified from sin and to help others become purified as well. We fast to become weak before God so God's power can be strong. We fast to release the anointing to accomplish His will. Number seven, we fast in times of crisis. Number eight, we fast when seeking God's direction. And number nine, we fast for understanding and divine revelation. Okay? I told you I'm flying through this. But I want you to hear this story. Um, Shavda, so he has led over a million people to the Lord. Okay? He's a pastor of a church in North Carolina. He's a saint, amazing, amazing man, and on one of his crusades to Haiti, he tells a story of preaching the gospel to this big old group of people, and he was there for seven nights. On the first night, uh, he asked for anybody who wants healing or wants to be filled with the spirit, come forward. All these people come forward. This old grandma comes forward. She's completely blind, and her granddaughter, her little child granddaughter, brings her up to the front, leading her by the hand for Mahesh to pray for So she comes up to the front. Mahesh prays for her, asking God to heal her blindness. So the power of God comes on her. Bam! She falls out under the power of God. And he thinks, oh, sweet. All right, Lord. Did you heal her? And he goes over to her. And he checks, her. excuse me, Grandma, can you see? No, I can't see. He's like, that's weird. Why would you knock her out? <laughs> All right, let's move on. Day two. Old Grandma comes forward again. Let's pray again. God, heal her. Bam! Power of God hits her again. She falls out. Then she's healed, goes over to Grandma. Can you see? Can't see. Day three. Old grandma comes up, prays for, her. bam, power of God falls out again. Grandma, can you see? No, I can't see. And he's like, Lord, what is this? <laughs> like, this is kind of ridiculous. Day four, again. Day five, again. Day six, again, day seven, last day of the crusade. Grandma comes forward, and Mahesh is feeling tired and weary. Grandma comes forward. He prays for her again. Bam, falls out. He says, glory to God, move on. And he starts praying for other people. And the Lord says, go ask her. He's like, I've already asked her like six other times. Nothing's happening. Okay, fine. Walks over to Grandma. Grandma, can you see? I can see. I can see. She's completely healed. And his first thought is not praise God. His first thought is, why didn't you do that day one? What's wrong with you? <laughs> so months later, He's fasting. He's on a 40-day fast. And he's driving around. He's just driving through Orlando, where he lived. And he's asking, you know, just, I don't think he he was even praying. He was just in the extended fast. He's driving from point A to point B, thinking about traffic. He's frustrated at traffic. And all of a sudden, while he's driving, he has an open vision. And all of a sudden, he sees the crusade. And he sees grandma come up. And he sees day one, there's this giant octopus demon wrapping around her head, covering her eyes, and he reaches his hand out and prays, and the Holy Spirit chops off one of the tentacles. Bam! It's gone. Day two, another one. Day three, another one. And by the seventh day, all of them had been completely removed. Okay? So the the lesson is, when you fast, not only do you receive power, but you also receive revelation that you could not receive in other ways. Okay? Let's keep moving. I want to tell you a couple stories of some people who have fasted throughout the Bible and how it helped them. Smith Wigglesworth, he was known as the Apostle of Faith. Amazing, amazing man of God. He raised over 14 people from the dead. He started revivals everywhere that he went. He was known for power and for healing. He's got the craziest stories. But in his early days, he was a plumber. Okay, He and his wife had started a little church. And he was a plumber, and he started getting a lot of calls for his plumbing work. And he was becoming quite successful with his job. But his wife would still go and preach the gospel with the church and do her, do her stuff. So let me read to you what happened. This is from Bill Johnson's book. <clears throat> it says, In 1884, Wigglesworth got many requests for plumbing work and spent most of his time away from church. While his wife continued to flourish in ministry, his heart grew cold toward the things of God. And this affected their marriage. One night, Wigglesworth commanded Polly to stop coming home so late from her ministry endeavors. And she let him know that while she was still his wife, Christ was her only master. At this, his temper flared. He locked her outside of the house. She walked around to the front door, which was open, and re-entered the house. And she couldn't stop laughing. And Smith, he couldn't fight it anymore either. And he laughed with her. And at that moment, something shifted inside of him, and his heart was rekindled toward the things of God. So as a result, he decided to give 10 days to prayer and fasting and to get his heart right. Following this time of deep sanctification and consecration unto the Lord, there was a marked change in him. To the extent that his temper and moodiness left, and his wife's steadfastness and ability not to take offense was catalytic in his turning point to re-engaging with God at a deeper level. So Smith Wigglesworth fasted for 10 days, and it changed him in a way that his temper and moodiness left. That's what it accomplished in him at that time. Nearly 10 years later, in July 1893, after another 10 days of focused prayer and fasting, Smith had another epiphany and an even deeper sanctification experience. And at that time, he believed this to be his baptism in the Holy Spirit. He continued his plumbing business and evangelized whenever he had the chance. Wigglesworth regularly fasted throughout his ministry, and oftentimes when people came to him for prayer, for healing, he would tell them, before I pray for you, I want you to go and pray and fast for seven days. At the end of seven days, come to me, and we'll pray and believe God to heal you. And oftentimes when they would go and begin their fast, they would get healed supernaturally without anybody praying for them while they're in their fast. Let me read you one more story from Wigglesworth. Another time, Wigglesworth received several telegrams to pray for a seriously ill boy in Grantham, England. He traveled to Grantham, and once he arrived, he had to go by bicycle another nine miles to get to the farm where the boy lived. When he arrived, the mother told him that he was too late because her son was nearly dead. Smith answered, God has never sent me anywhere too late. He prayed and fasted, and then asked the parents to get the boy's clothes ready to wear. He went to the Sunday meeting at a primitive Methodist chapel where he was invited to take charge of the service. Everyone there knew the boy and also had faith for his healing. And this led Smith to see that faith could arise in others as it had in him. He returned to the boy's house where the parents had not followed his instructions to lay out the boy's clothes. After Wigglesworth got the clothes himself, and he told someone in the house to put the boy's stockings on, and then he had everybody leave, and he shut the door behind him. He prayed, and the moment he touched the boy's hand, the presence of God filled the room so powerfully that Wigglesworth hit the floor, and he lay in the glory for over 15 minutes. The power of God shook the room, and while Wigglesworth was down, the boy regained his strength and began shouting that he was well. And after the boy got dressed, he ran to tell his parents, but they had fallen down in the kitchen from the glory that filled the house. The boy's sister, who had recently returned from a mental asylum, was totally healed that same day. Revival fire was released that impacted the whole town. Amen? not awesome? I'm going to tell you guys another story I'm going to read this is a long one um, but this is from Mahesh's book and this story deeply impacted me and has for years and years and years and so I'm just going to read it verbatim so Mahesh says that early in his walk with Christ he went to work at a hospital for mentally handicapped children in Lubbock Texas Mahesh is still alive by the way I think he's like 70 maybe 75 so this is not too long ago Mentally handicapped children in Lubbock, Texas. Just like Jesus was driven or impelled by the Holy Spirit to go to the wilderness, I was impelled to enter my own wilderness in Texas. And it was a state school for profoundly handicapped children. It was one of the most tragic places I could have chosen. My days there were filled with heartbreaking hours of interaction with broken and hurting children and an atmosphere filled with some of the most foul smells you can imagine. I'll never forget the day I met a 16-year-old boy in that group of children whom I'd called Stevie. Stevie was a victim of Down Syndrome, a moderate to severe form of mental retardation, often characterized by reduced mental capacity and certain physical deformities. Now let me hit pause. Before he met Stevie, the Holy Spirit had been teaching him about healing. And he would hold children who were blind, and as he prayed for them, they would be healed. And he had seen several different sicknesses and illnesses healed, over and over and over. So he's building his faith, he's starting to think... Hey, this is awesome. So let's go back to Stevie. Stevie was afflicted with something even worse. He was a self-mutilator who was driven to cry out and beat himself on the face constantly. The staff psychologist at the school had secured permission from state officials in Austin to administer electric shock therapy to Stevie for a six-month period. This negative operant conditioning, as they called it, was meant to modify Stevie's behavior by administering electric shocks any time he beat himself. They graphed his behavior over that period of time, and they saw that it just kept getting worse and worse instead of better. By the time I was there, his face was like a dry alligator skin because he beat himself continuously. Finally, the attendants tied Stevie's hands in splints so that he couldn't bend his arms to reach his face. The only problem was that the other children in the dormitory ward developed a new game once they figured out that Stevie's hands were bound at his sides. They liked to run up behind him and push him so hard he would lose his balance and fall down. Since Stevie could no longer instinctively shield his face with his arms because of the splints, every time the kids on the ward played their game and pushed him, Stevie would land face down on the floor without any way to protect himself or soften the landing. Most of the time, we would find him with blood streaming from his nose, lips, and mouth whenever i would come stevie could sense god's love coming from me and he would put his head on my shoulder and just weep finally i said lord you told me that you sent me here to love these children what is the answer for stevie very clearly i heard the holy spirit say this kind goes out not only this kind goes not out by but by prayer and fasting although this may be familiar scripture to you it sounded totally foreign to me I had attended Bible University for four years, and I earned my bachelor's degree there, but I didn't even know that the Spirit was quoting a scripture or passage from me in Matthew 17:21. Another thing I'd failed to learn about during my four years of Bible school was the subject of fasting. I said, fasting, doesn't that mean no food and no water? So I didn't eat or drink anything. I didn't realize that when I fasted from food that I would have dreams about fried chicken, baked potatoes, and steaks. I was also unaware of the face that when... You do without water, your priorities will change. By the third day of my fast without water, I began to get jealous. Every time I heard someone washing his hands in a bathroom sink. One time a person came out of the bathroom and I said, you know what? You could have been drinking that water. He said, what? And I hurriedly said, no, forget it. On the fourth day, the Lord spoke to me and said, you can drink. And so I started drinking water. But I did not break the fast until the 14th day. And the Lord said, now pray for Stevie. When I arrived for my shift at the school that day, I took Stevie into my little office cubicle. And I said, Stevie, I know your mind may not understand what I'm saying, but your spirit is eternal. I wanna tell you that I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've come to preach the good news to you. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. And then I said, in the name of Jesus, you evil spirit of mutilation, you let him go now in the name of Jesus. Suddenly, Stevie's body was flung about eight feet away from me and hit the other wall of my cubicle. When Stevie hit the wall, his body was elevated about three feet above the floor and then slid down to the floor and let out a long sigh. Immediately, I smelled an incredibly foul smell of rotten eggs and burning sulfur in the room, which gradually faded. I quickly went to Stevie. I cradled him in my arms. I removed his splints while he watched with wide eyes. And then Stevie began to bend his arms and gently feel his face. I watched him softly touch his eyes, his nose, his ears, and then he started sobbing. And he had realized that for the first time, he had not been driven to beat himself. He was gently touching his face, and he had been delivered. In that unforgettable moment, the Lord revealed to me what a powerful weapon he has given all of us to pull down the strongholds and to set captives free. Within a few months, all the scabs had fallen off of Stevie's face, and he began to he- heal because he had stopped beating himself. Amen. not that awesome? Fasting, this is a little bit more from Shavda in another chapter. It says, fasting is found throughout the Bible. It always seems to show up when ordinary people need extraordinary power, provision, and perseverance to overcome impossible odds, enemies, or obstructions. Historically, revival breaks out when people seek God through prayer and fasting. Virtually all the great evangelists fasted and prayed. Charles Finney wrote in his biography that he had frequent days of private fasting. And he said that whenever he had found the battery of the Spirit going down, when he felt the anointing of the Spirit weakening, he would go immediately into a three-day fast and that he would always end those fasts feeling recharged. Let me describe the results of the battery charge. When Charles Finney entered a city and started his meetings, people who entered the borders or boundaries of that city would start crying because a spirit of repentance would fall on them. When Finney would enter a warehouse, people throughout that factory would be slain in the spirit wherever they were. Whether they were saints or sinners, these events were recorded in the newspapers and journals of the day. The presence of God went with Finney in such power that people would come and get saved. Another modern-day hero is uh, David Hogan. and He's a guy who, in 1981, he went to Mexico, and he began to preach the gospel and, and do missions and plant churches there. Today, his ministry has planted over 600 churches, and they have seen over 400 people come raised from the dead. He personally has been there 28 times when it's happened. He has a, 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 a uh, strict discipline of fasting. He literally fasts every other day. Uh, for decades his wife fasts three days and then she eats for two and then she fasts for three days and eats for two and his stories are the most unbelievable stories of going up against the enemy and seeing the power of God come and break through and do great things in Mexico we could go on and on and on about the prayer of power and fasting through the Bible and through others but I want to switch gears a little bit Um, I've personally gone through many seasons of fasting where the Lord would lead me for various times and reasons to fast and cry out for specific things. And to be honest, uh, at times, there were very clear results. I'd fast for this many days, and I'd see this happen. And many times, I'd fast for this many days, and I'd think, nothing happens. What happened? And I'd just believe in faith that the Lord is depositing these things into my life, right? In hindsight, I can say without doubt that the Lord constantly deposited more into my life every single time that I would choose to obey Him through fasting and through prayer. Deeper wisdom, revelation, breakthrough and healing, answered prayer, more passion, more fire, more salvations. Whatever it was I was going for, the Lord would show up and do. So as we embark upon Miracle March 2017, I'm calling the church to link arms together and fast and pray and believe God for breakthrough all over the place. Do you need a financial breakthrough this month? Let's fast and pray towards that end. Do you need something to change at work and in your family? Do you need freedom from addiction? Do you need more passion for God? Do you want to see people around you get saved or healed? Do you need clarity on what your purpose is in life? Whatever you need this month, let's press in together and commit to pray and fast together and believe God to break through as we partner with him, as we ask him, and as we keep on asking him to show up big in our lives amen so practically I want you to mark your calendars tomorrow let's jump in together and let's begin to fast together doesn't matter what you fast from or how you do it just ask the Holy Spirit what it needs to be and be obedient to that and if you get weak and you give up <laughs> and you fall short don't feel shameful at all okay just jump back on ask the Lord how can I continue and obey him um, Ask him if you should fast from food or water or juices. Do a Daniel fast. No sweets, no meats, fruits, vegetables only. Fast from something that distracts you, media, Facebook, TV. Fast from something you always do but are going to put aside during this time to show that you're serious about the things that you're believing for. There's no right right or wrong way. Anything you choose, if you're trying to obey God, will be honored by God. Amen. So here's how we're going to end. I'm going to pass out these little cards. Here, help me pass these out. I'll get that side of the room. You guys probably saw at the back of the room here, we have this Miracle Month poster board. All right. We've already had one miracle this morning from Kathy's arm. Praise the Lord. We filled out an answered prayer card and put it on there. So if you have something that you're believing the Lord for, we're going to turn on the music and we're going to take about five minutes and just ask God. What's this month for in my life? What do you want me to begin believing for? And how do you want me to be fasting for that thing? If you feel comfortable, write it out on the card. If you don't feel comfortable, you can do the you know, um, secretive prayer request. I, I forgot what they're called. Unspoken. Thank you. It's been too long. OK? So you can write down as much as you're comfortable. And then I want us all to go pin them on the board here in about five minutes. And let's just believe together that the Lord's going to begin to do these things in this body. Amen. And then after we pin them on the board, we're going to find a partner. Um, It can be your spouse or somebody else in the room. And tell them what you're believing for. And let's spend a couple minutes and pray for the Lord to begin to open those doors. Amen. Okay. Homero's going to get some music for us. Lord, I'm asking, um, we just thank you. That you're going to do such great things this month you already have begun and we're looking forward to it we thank you for this 21 days of fasting that we're going into together would you come and speak right now make it clear what's on your heart for everybody in the room and help them to communicate to you what's on their heart for you to come and do in their lives it needs to be a back and forth not just god speaking not just you speaking but have a conversation with god right now about what you're supposed to be believing for. So Lord, come speak, make it clear, and we're asking that you would show up and bust open doors, that you would break through in the most beautiful ways this month, in Jesus' name.